yeah, and he has to wait comes. for the blood to coagulate from cutting his wrist to slide his hands out. It's a she, but yeah, she's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. in bed and she has to. And the that wolf. Was so... She doesn't actually cut her. She she gloves her hand by just. It's high noon right now. Very high noon. Welcome. The Altacast here on MutinyRadio.fm. I am flying solo all day. I believe from text messages, if I was to understand them correctly. The Sheriff of Truth will not be in today. Therefore, I'm Pam Benjamin flying blind flying into your ear holes on this day before Thanksgiving 11 23 16 it's been a good day thus far uh, I had my hands in gelatinous goo it felt so good I, I did my turkey stock last night and made some choices oh I was so tired uh, but I'm putting together a kind of a new turducken this year I, I've never done it this way before where all three of my birds are pretty much the same size. But I'm going, and I I deboned completely my chicken and my duck. I uh, did the chicken on Sunday night, made the stock. It's Kitty Christmas, by the way, with a K. K's all around. Kitty Christmas. It's hard to be a cat on Christmas. No, it's not. I uh, made this amazing cat food out of giblets and hearts and duck liver and and my cat's relationship spike and i have gotten so close a little too close he thinks every time i open the refrigerator that he gets more treats it's kitty christmas it's hard to say no anyway so i made the chicken on sunday so it's a big flap of you know meat and it's little legs even so what I'm gonna, and I did this with all three birds, but on the turkey this year, I did not take the wings off. I left the wings on, but everything else is gone. So I'm gonna make it actually look like a real bird, but because they're all so similarly sized, I'm gonna take half of the duck and half of the chicken and put it inside the turkey to make it look like a full turkey. And then I'm gonna like, I don't know, use the extra skin from the chicken to do something or something will happen. Because last year I didn't have enough crispy skin and I feel like it's a waste. Like, why would I take the duck fat and put it in? So I think I'm gonna take, since I took all the bones out of those other two, they basically, even their legs, like I pulled all the meat off the leg and then I pulled it back and then I cut with my beautiful sharp scissors. Thank you, Jonathan, for my, the, I love my knives. It was such a joy this year to debone the birds because my knives were so freaking sharp. He got me these hand-folded Japanese steel knives last year for Christmas and they're insane. Uh, and I loved, it was the easiest deboning I've done yet. Uh, ooh, 
Yes, deboning birds. I was so high during the duck, I almost couldn't do it because there was a long flap of fat, and I've never seen them this way before because it was a good duck. But I saw the eye holes, you know, from where the skin attaches to the beak. So they basically just let it. I was like, ah! I couldn't handle it. I was too high. I was like, So I had to take the tongs and hold them far away and get the scissors and not look and cut this section off and throw it away in the composting because I saw the eye hole. I'm such just a... I used to be a vegetarian and... So once I take the backbone out with the scissors, the beautifully sharp scissors, and I take the backbone out, then I'm like, ugh, I'm fine now and I can debone whatever and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And I just go for it and it's no big deal. But like the eye flap, oh God. And at first, before I take the backbone out, when I have to like figure out a way to reach in and get the neck and the giblets out and the parts, you know, and all that, like, I'm reaching inside a dead bird. Yay! I'm really excited for Thanksgiving tomorrow because we're going to have a turducken uh, going all the way out to Walnut Creek. Good doctor's house. Shout out to her. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. I hope you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving as well the day of gluttony and celebration gluttony yeah so today on the AltaCast here on mutinyradio.fm uh we're gonna go through we as in me as in the queen because i'm a lonely uh i'm gonna go through the drug policy alliance what's going on with them what's going on with drugs uh and then we're gonna start listening and watching submissions for the 2017 Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Always the first week in March. Second annual. I always say always. If we do it when we are successful this year, then I'll say always. The first week in March, the first through the fifth, will be the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2017. 50 comedians from in town and out of town. Yeah. And uh, doing their jokes. It's going to be a great time. I'm really excited. Um, 25 shows, five days. It's hardcore. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. And it's, a, it's, it's uh, you know, what else am I doing with my life, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, stay tuned at 2 o'clock for some Call Me Tim. Today's guest is Ginger Murray. She's amazing. I actually am really excited to talk to her because I haven't seen her since she got married. And oh, I hate to say it, I sound like such a basic anyways and I don't even want to say the B word anymore because it makes me feel like I'm demeaning women she's a feminist she's an amazing human being and uh, she's an activist and a writer and the editor of horror magazine taking it back Uh, super feminist super awesome we're going to talk about what she believes in today on some call me Tim at 2 o'clock so stay tuned for that but right now we are the Drug Policy Alliance Uh, great stuff coming out of this website all the time. You should like them on Facebook, Drug Policy Alliance. Uh, This is a blog article, and it's, it's touching my heart deeply because I... If you listen, if you're an active listener to the AltaCast, you know that uh, he who should not be named. I can't even... Like, I'm looking at it on the screen, and I just feel like... Um, we're very sad about it, but... Uh, I guess it really happened 
So <laughs> four ways drug policy reformers must play it smart under the Trump administration. This is from November 22nd by Bill Piper. Uh, I began working, advocating, and lobbying for federal-level drug policy reform in Washington, D.C. in the last year of Bill Clinton's presidency, and I've continued to do so ever since. I was a loyal soldier in the war against the war on drugs through eight years of George W. Bush and then eight years of Barack Obama, but now, with the election of Donald Trump, ah, it feels like the work during those these uh, those three presidencies was just basic training. The real challenge is just beginning. Like many people, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the very idea of Donald Trump as president. But what's certain is that drug policy reformers are going to have to play it smart in the new era. And I do have some initial thoughts. First, we're in uncharted territory. We have never had a president like this. So far removed from the establishment norms, openly promoting white supremacy, believing in and promoting wacko conspiracy theories, complicating matters. He doesn't seem to have fixed positions, rarely gives specifics and contradicts himself often. No one knows for sure what exactly to expect, but we should assume the worst. His administration, which looks to be staffed by drug war extremists, could go after state marijuana laws. Instead of just opposing sentencing reform, they could push for new mandatory minimums. They might demonize drugs and drug sellers to build support for mass deportations and a wall. Trump's law and order rhetoric could fundamentally alter the political environment nationally and locally. Right now, there is a bipartisan consensus in favor of reducing incarceration. That consensus is in danger. What could be set back? We could be set back decades if we're not careful. We need to rethink a lot of what we've been planning and think about how we message. And it's more important than ever that we support our allies in other movements and stand strong for racial justice. We need to relearn how to play defense. Second, I know few people on my side of the fence who want to hear this, but threats posed by Donald Trump and his people are threats we will be facing for four years, maybe eight. <laughs> we will be fighting them for a long time, and we need to recognize and internalize that. We need to pace ourselves, choose our battles carefully, be strategic, and perhaps more importantly, keep our morale up. Uh, we need to find ways of supporting each other. Third, we've got to be crafty. We need to make we need to be careful not to box the Trump administration into making bad decisions, and we should try to box them into making at least semi-good decisions. As one example, Trump said during the campaign that he would protect states' rights on marijuana and that he supports medical marijuana. The more we repeat that and hold him to that, the better. Trump has a huge ego. He even wrote it this way in the <laughs> Y-U-G-E, a huge ego. His policy positions are fluid and he will want to get reelected and he is easily influenced by media. We should exploit his weaknesses. It's especially important that we find ways to create division among Republicans who now hold Congress and the White House. The more they disagree, the less they can get done. Two areas that stand out for us are the marijuana and sentencing reform. We have enough Republican support on both these issues that we might be able to create dissent within the GOP if Trump tries to do something bad in these areas. Finally, the rise of Trump and Trumpism has put a national spotlight on the white supremacy and misogyny. Everywhere, people are now organizing against hate. Drug policy reformers should be a part of that fight.
We can start by taking a hard look at our movement and the marijuana industry we have created. If group draft legalization laws ignore the racial justice, we need to call them out. If dispensaries, marijuana magazines, or other marijuana businesses objectify and demean women to sell their products, or if they exclude people of color, we need to call them out. It's long past time to clean up our own house. A recent Saturday Night Live skit featuring Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock really resonated with me. The skit revolved around a room of white people expressing shock that Donald Trump won and being surprised that so many Americans were blind or were racist or blind to racism. Chappelle and Rock get real sarcastic, making fun of the white people for just now figuring out people of color, what people of color have known forever. It is my hope that for all the chaos and oppression a Trump administration is likely to unleash, his presidency will wake people up. That means us. Drug policy reform could be a revolution within a revolution. All right. Bill Piper is the senior director of national affairs for the Drug Policy Alliance. And uh, this piece appeared on the influence, which is great. I want to see if they, they had a little link to that. Uh, we can listen to the Dave Chappelle and uh, watch them attack white people. I mean, and I, I don't even know if the podcast went up the day after the election because I was so... And I actually, I hope it didn't. The stream was down, which was great because... Uh, it was, it was, uh, I was way too, uh, I hoping it didn't go up. I was really, really angry. So uh, we'll see. But right now we will see if this comes in a slightly painful Tuesday evening. They're going to make us watch a commercial. Oh, here we go. What's a night in America? I can't believe after all this, it's going to finally be over. I don't know. We'll see. Trump's already got lawyers to fight the results. <laughs> okay, so. don't even joke about that or I will leave. Guys, we're about to have our first woman president. Like, this is going to be a historic night. Yeah, yeah, it might be a historic night, but just don't forget, it's a big country. My friend at the Huffington Post says she wins by five points. Oh, I don't know. My friend at Slate says she'll win by three. <laughs> oh, well, she'll definitely win the Electoral College, for sure. But I guess there's like a nightmare scenario where he wins the popular vote. Really? That's your nightmare scenario, huh? Because of shifting demographics, there might never be another Republican president in this country. Word. <laughs> you ever been around this country before? And we project Kentucky 7 PM. will go to Donald Trump. Yeah, well, of course he won Kentucky. I mean, that's where all the racists are. <laughs> all of them are in Kentucky? Oh, you know, she got Vermont. Oh, snap, Vermont! <laughs> Three electoral votes. Now, that's a power grab. Okay, this says Florida is too close to call. Okay, no, no, it says too early to call. There's only 1% in. You know what, I'm gonna go ahead and call it. Florida's going blue to Latinos. To Latinos! <laughs> well, of course he's gonna win Ohio. We knew that, but if we can get Pennsylvania, Florida, and North Carolina, we don't even need Ohio. 
Yeah, and if the Indians had having four more runs, uh, they would want a World Series too, dude. I'm gonna grab a Xanax from the bedroom. Okay, well you grab me six. Yeah, I'm just gonna bring the whole bottle. How's that? Look, early returns are always gonna be Republican because Republicans go to sleep early. That's just a fact. Um, I just talked to my brother-in-law at CBS. He says Trump's gonna win Florida. Where? Uh, I guess that the, the Latinos didn't hear about your toast. Hey guys, what I miss? Oh my God. Larry, Trump might Trump might actually win. I, I mean, of course. I, what are you talking about? I tried to tell him, Larry. What is happening? Why are women even voting for him? Yeah, I, I don't get you, ladies. I mean, the country's. 55% women. I mean, if the country was 55% black, well, we'd have tons of black presidents. I mean, Flavor Flav would be president. <laughs> okay, um, all she has to do is come back and win Wisconsin, come back and win Michigan, come back and win uh, Pennsylvania. And some of the counties, are, the urban counties, are, they're so, black people vote late. <laughs> Yeah, let's hope there's a hundred thousand of us in Green Bay. <laughs> Your brothers love the Packers. You never know, guys. Alaska's still out there. We're now calling Alaska for Donald Trump. Oh my God. I think America is racist. Oh my God. <laughs> You know, I remember my great-grandfather told me something like that. But, you know, he was like a slave or something. I, I just, I can't believe it. Like, why aren't people turning out for Hillary the way they did for Barack Obama? I mean, maybe because you're replacing a charismatic 40-year-old black guy with a 70-year-old white woman. I mean, that's like the Knicks replacing Patrick Ewan with Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> And Donald Trump has been elected President of the United States. Yeah, you guys are right. It's a historic night. Don't worry about it. Eight years are gonna fly by. Yeah, don't worry. It's gonna be all white. <laughs> what about undocumented immigrants? Oh, they're not going nowhere. Come on, man. You act like everybody trying to pick their own strawberries. <laughs> I mean, do you even know what it's like to be a woman in this country where you can't get ahead no matter what you do? Oh, jeez, I don't know. Let me put my thinking cap on on that one. I'll get back. <laughs> now, come on, guys. Get some rest. You got a lot of big day. You got a big day of moping and writing on Facebook tomorrow. God, this is the most shameful thing America has ever done. <laughs> All right, that was awesome, and uh, oh yeah, we're racist, I guess. I yeah, uh, that's it's funny that Dave Chappelle did a picking strawberry jokes because I do that too. I've we're not just gonna pick their own strawberry, and even not even strawberries like raspberries. They're so difficult to pick. Uh, wow. Well, welcome back. We're here on the AltaCast, hanging out. 
talking about important news from the Drug Policy Alliance. Uh, oh, I, this is so great. I'm so glad this just happened today. President Obama commutes the sentences of 79 more people, bringing his total to more than 1,000. Yay! This is a conversation I had last night with a, a young gentleman outside of Brainwash. And... He was like, he was doing some Brock impressions on stage. His name's Willie. He's really great. He's out of Sacramento. And it, it was so funny. And he said, oh, I'm just going to stay for an, I can't do a Brock impression. But he said, I'm going to just stay in the White House and stay for another term. It was part of a joke. But then um, I said, well, the one thing that he can do is we have like, you know, how many more days? 70 more days or something. And I'm like, I hope he commutes as many sentences as he can. And then here today, this is so great. It came out yesterday. President Barack Obama commutes the sentences of 79 more people, bringing his total to more than 1,000. He was trying to do 1,600 this year. And... Um, He's just going to keep working, and we appreciate it so much. Drug Policy Alliance, thousands more people deserve to be set free. But, God, at least he's trying. Here we go. Today, President Barack Obama commuted the sentences of 79 people incarcerated in federal prison, almost all whom were serving time under outdated and harsh drug sentences. This round of commutations brings the number of prisoners whose sentences have been commuted under President Barack Obama to more than 1,000. Yay. The commutation of these prison sentences represents what the White House hopes will be one prong of a broader push to overhaul the criminal justice system, making it fairer while saving the government money. President Obama has been pushed to do more to release those serving time in prison under harsh drug laws that have been that have imprisoned an enormous amount of individuals. These commutations are great, but there are thousands more people being warehoused in federal prison for drug offenses. They probably won't get any relief under Donald Trump, which is why President Obama should commute all their sentences before he leaves office, said Bill Piper, Senior Director of National Affairs at the Drug Policy Alliance. President Obama deserves praise for commuting the sentences of people who deserve to be reunited with their families, said Tony Papa, Medians Relation Manager for the Drug Policy Alliance, who was granted clemency in New York State in 1997 after serving 12 years under the Rockefeller drug laws for a first-time nonviolent drug offense. Papa just released his new book, This Side of Freedom, Life After Clemency, which speaks about the roadblocks he faced after he was released. It's my hope that the president continues to grant freedom to those who deserve a chance to re-enter society. Yay! More sentences commuted. Go Barack! Uh, yeah, what's gonna... This is a, this is a scary one. Um, what Senator... Jeff Sessions as Attorney General would mean for criminal justice reform, drug policy reform, and civil and human rights. Uh, representatives from a spectrum of organizations express strong concerns about Attorney General nominee. Uh, there's a teleconference that we can listen to, but I'll just uh, read this. On Friday, news reports named Senator Jeff Sessions, a Republican from Alabama, as Donald Trump's nominee to be the next attorney general. The Drug Policy Alliance is convening this call with reporters to highlight Jeff Sessions' track record on civil and human rights, criminal justice reform, and drug policy. Representatives from invited organizations will highlight how an attorney general Sessions, how an attorney General Sessions threatens to expand mass criminalization and drug war policies that will put communities at risk and intensify the marginalization and stigmatization of Muslims, immigrants, and others who should not be entrusted with the enforcement of our nation's civil rights laws. 
He was rejected for federal judgeship in 1986 when the Senate Judiciary Committee was confronted by Sessions' extensive history of racist comments and incidents. As just one example, Sessions is on record saying that the Ku Klux Klan was okay until he learned that they smoked marijuana. Wow. During his time in the U.S. Senate, Jeff Sessions has been the chief opponent of recent bipartisan efforts to reduce sentences for drug offenses and has a track record of opposing uh, opposition to marijuana reform. He is likely to use his power as attorney general to accelerate federal prosecutions for drug law violations that carry draconian mandatory sentences and close down state legal marijuana and medical marijuana programs. Boo. A Senate confirmation of Sessions would also position Sessions as a powerful foe of bipartisan criminal justice and sentencing reform efforts in Congress. Sessions has also pushed for the expanded use of the criminal justice system to disproportionately target minority groups and deport non-citizens. Sessions is likely to expand the use of surveillance and policing against immigrant and marginalized communities. Oh, man. Uh... Oh, let's uh, listen to the teleconference. Why not? Let's see. Oh, here we go. We'll listen to a little bit of it. This. The following is a recording for Tony Newman with the Drug Policy Alliance on Tuesday, November twenty second, two thousand sixteen, at one o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Excuse me, everyone. We now have all speakers in conference. Please be aware that each of your lines are in a listen-only mode. At the conclusion of today's presentation, we will open the floor for questions. All right. At that time, instructions will be given as to the procedure to follow if you would like to ask a question. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Bill Piper. Sir, you may begin. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. I'm Bill Piper, Senior Director of National Affairs for the Drug Policy Alliance. I want to thank everyone for calling into this telepress conference on the nomination of Jeff Sessions to be Attorney General. Uh, let me first say that this call is being recorded so we can provide a copy to any reporter who wants one. Jeff Sessions is a controversial and disturbing pick for Attorney General. The last time he faced a confirmation vote in 1986, his nomination was voted down by the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, in a bipartisan vote after the committee was confronted by Sessions' extensive history of racist comments and actions. A black colleague testified at the time that Sessions referred to him as boy in the office. Sessions referred to the NAACP and other civil rights groups as un-American groups that, quote, forced civil rights down the throats of people. Sessions also reportedly said that he used to think the KKK was okay until he found out its members smoked pot. Uh, and much, much, much more came out of the four-day hearing that the Senate Judiciary Committee held on Sessions in 1986, uh, including accusations that he used his power as U.S. attorney to disrupt and prosecute civil rights activists who are trying to register African Americans to vote. Some people might say, yes, Sessions said and did some horrible and racially charged things, but that was 30 to 40 years ago. Uh, but civil rights groups point out that Senator Sessions has been one of the Senate's most extreme voices on issues affecting immigrants, Muslims, African Americans, Latino women, and the LGBT community. He has a long record of obstructing civil rights. In the area of drug policy reform, 
Cinder Sessions is a drug war dinosaur is nearly single-handedly blocked bipartisan sentencing reform in the Senate. Uh, Sessions has been critical of the Obama Justice Department's guidelines around sentencing that were designed to limit harsh sentences, and he has criticized the Justice Department's use of consent decrees that force local police departments to address police brutality, racial profiling, and other civil rights issues. He opposes giving formerly incarcerated individuals the right to vote. He recently described marijuana as a dangerous drug and said that, quote, good people don't smoke marijuana. He has criticized the Obama administration for respecting state marijuana laws. If confirmed as U.S. Attorney General, Jeff Sessions could escalate the failed war on drugs. He will likely use his position to oppose any kind of sentencing or criminal justice reform. He could undo the important changes Eric Holder made, including expanding the use of mandatory minimum sentencing and reversing course on important consent decrees. He could also undo the Cone Memo, which provided guidance to U.S. attorneys, instructing them to generally not raid marijuana dispensaries in states where it is illegal. The war on drugs could also uh, be a weapon that Sessions and the Trump administration uses to spy on, investigate, incarcerate, or deport immigrants and other targeted groups. Already, President-elect Trump has said he wants to aggressively deport any immigrant who commits any offense, no matter how minor, including drug offenses. For non-citizens, including legal permanent residents, most drug law violations can trigger automatic detention and deportation, often without the possibility of return. Roughly 40,000 people have been deported from the United States for drug law violations each year since 2008, and that was without an attorney general that was openly hostile to immigrants and drug offenders. Senator Sessions could not only escalate the war on immigration and the war on drugs, he could combine them. Uh, he was deemed unfit to be a federal judge in 1986, and I believe he will be deemed unfit to be U.S. Attorney General when the Senate looks at his history and record during confirmation hearings next year. There are many troubling things about uh, Jeff Sessions and his record, and our other speakers uh, will talk about some of them. At this point, uh, I want to move on to the first speaker, uh, Todd A. Cox, at, uh, who's Director of Policy at the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Thank you very much and good afternoon. As head of the Department of Justice and the nation's top law enforcement official, the position of Attorney General is one of unparalleled power within the executive branch and has profound implications for civil rights. It is therefore essential that any nomination, any nominee's record on civil rights be thoroughly and closely scrutinized before confirmation to the position of extraordinary public trust and is firmly opposed if that record indicates a lack of commitment to the constitutional principles of fairness quality and the rule of law. The question is, the Senator Sessions is fit to be the chief enforcer of this nation's civil rights laws? And the answer, based on his record, is no. As has already been indicated, this is not just about 1986. This is about 1986 and Senator Sessions' consistent record since of hostility to our nation's civil rights. In 2009, Senator Sessions voted against the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. This was signed into law by President Obama, and the bill expanded 
federal hate crime legislation to include crimes motivated by by victims' actual or perceived gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. In the same year, Senator Sessions voted against the Lilly-led Better Fair Pay Act. The bill, which again was signed into law by President Obama, amended the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to ensure the statute of limitations does not unfairly bar claims of pay disparity based on gender discrimination. In 2006, Senator Sessions supported a federal constitutional amendment to ban same-sex marriage. He voted to invoke cloture and move to a final vote on the amendment, which fell 11 votes short of the 60 it needed to pass. In 2013, Senator Sessions voted against the 2013 reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. He has criticized the Voting Rights Act of 1965, the landmark civil rights law, as intrusive and agreed with the Supreme Court's 2013 decision in Shelby County versus Holder that struck down key provisions of the law. Senator Sessions has opposed efforts to restore and update the Voting Rights Act after the Shelby decision. He has been the chief opponent of the Senate's bipartisan efforts to reduce or eliminate the overly harsh federal sentences for drug offenses, sentences that disproportionately impact communities of color. He has consistently voted against and rhetorically opposed judges who have civil rights or public defender backgrounds. He most recently uh, praised a, a Trump campaign ad calling for the death penalty against the Central Park Five in the, in the late 80s. And these are the teens who spent nearly two decades in jail for a crime that they were exonerated for five years ago. What does this say about what he believes in the rule of law or exoneration? Does he believe it's irrelevant? It is unimaginable that he could be entrusted to serve as the chief law enforcement officer for this nation's civil rights laws. He has a decades-long record from his early days as a prosecutor to his present role as senator of opposing civil rights and equality. And I need to close by saying all of this needs to be seen in the context of what's happened over the past few weeks. This appointment coincides with the appointment of Stephen K. Bannon as the chief strategist and senior counsel for the White House. Mr. Bannon has a history of expressing alarmingly biased and uncivil views and through the website Breitbart.com created a platform for white supremacists and other political extremists. The decision to appoint Sessions also parallels the decision to use the same legal precedent used during World War II for establishing Japanese internment camps to justify the creation of a Muslim registry in this country. This makes the Jeff Sessions nomination all the more disturbing and unacceptable. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next, uh, we have Juan Cartagena, uh, President and General Counsel, Latino Justice. Thank you, Bill. Um, Latino Justice, Pearl Death stands completely in solidarity with all of our colleagues in the Civil Rights and Human Rights Bar to oppose this nomination of Senator Sessions for the top lawyer position in the United States. Like our colleagues who will use the courts to try to ensure that our equal rights, our dignity, and our humanity is still protected in this country, we also rely heavily on an active and cooperative Department of Justice to allow us to stretch our meager resources to cover all these issues. And for, the, for Mr. Sessions to be in charge of the entire U.S. Department of Justice would basically mean that all the current work that the Department of Justice does to stem police abuse uh, will effectively be undone. His opposition to consent decrees means the, all the excellent work that has been done in the past in places like Long Island, New York, will be effectively undone. But we also are, uh, are extremely concerned about Senator Sessions' positions on the drug war. 
he will be continuing the prohibitionist model of the drug war. It has been rendered completely useless. It is obviously a, a, a major catastrophe and a, a complete failure at every level. And he does so uh, openly, and he does so in a way that allows for this continued drug war to occur. Some of the most rational voices to end the drug war and to deal with the issue of drug use in, the, in, the, in our country actually come from Central and South America and the Caribbean. They, those words will be unheeded by the, by, the, by the Secretary General nominee. Second, Mr. Sessions has also been very closely aligned. These are not comments from three points that go back to the 1980s. These are comments that happened as recently as five years ago. He is constantly attending sessions, uh, excuse me, events with the Federation of Immigration Reform, the Federation of American Immigration Reform, which was founded by John Tanton, a clear white nationalist who once quoted saying that the United States is subject to be taken over by a generation, by a, pop, by a people who's, uh, who have their pants down, referring to everybody south of the border. And then uh, he's against birthright citizenship and already ensconced in our Constitution and part of our legacy um, uh, with the African-American community that's protected so many people in this country. He even voted against the, the nomination of Justice Sonia Sotomayor. If that's not an indicator of how far he is uh, away from mainstream thought, a um, few things are. So we are completely opposed to this particular nominee. He has already talked about, uh, he uh, voted against the bill that would have enabled broader protection for hate crimes. And at this point in our history, we need more protection in this area, not less. So Latino Justice Club stands in complete opposition to this nominee. Thank you. Next we have uh, Robert McCall, Director of Government Affairs at the Council on American Islamic Relations. Thank you. Uh, this is Robert McCall with CARE. CARE is calling for the Senate to hold all of President-elect Donald Trump's nominees that hold anti-Muslim beliefs and other hateful prejudices to account. In the case of uh, Senator Sessions, CARE is calling on the Senate to reject his nomination to Attorney General. CARE is extremely concerned that Senator Sessions has threatened to expand mass criminalization, which will likely give law enforcement aggressive new permissions to engage in profiling and policing and surveillance tactics uh, and would violate the constitutional rights of many Americans in doing so. Senator Sessions has also supported then-presidential candidate Donald Trump's call to ban Muslims from entering the United States. Sessions' support for this ban is highly disconcerting. American has a, America has a long tradition of welcoming immigrants, not rejecting them because of their faith. Sessions' nomination also signals a departure from the Department of Justice and FBI characterizing acts of criminal violent extremist uh, terrorism conducted by individuals who identify as Muslims as now incorrectly being labeled as Islamic or uh, Islamic extremism or jihadism. Uh, I want to make one thing clear, and there is no act of violence that can be conducted by criminal thugs like ISIS that are condoned by Islam. That is not an extreme interpretation of our religion. Rather, it's a shameful deviation and departure from it. I would not want the U.S. to carry water for groups like ISIS or Al-Qaeda in depicting that we have a civilizational contact co conflict between the West and Islam. Sessions has also opposed criminal justice and sentencing reform and that is something that CARE has supported 
and despite strong bipartisan support uh, and support for the public, Sessions could not. Under the U.S. Constitution, the President may only appoint certain public officials with the advice and consent of the U.S. Senate. Again, in the case of Sessions, in the Senate's review of his nomination, CARE is calling for the Senate's rejection. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next, we have Jonathan Blinks, Managing Editor, PoliceMisconduct.net, uh, Project on Criminal Justice at the Cato Institute. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, just to start off uh, with everything, uh, Cato does not take a position on whether or not uh, Senator Sessions their 501c3 and therefore cannot take a position. That said, uh, we have strong concerns about what he may do if he is confirmed and the powers that he has and what the Department of Justice is capable of doing. Um, first off, uh, there are some serious privacy and due process uh, concerns, including uh, his support for backdoor encryption um, mandates for, uh, for technology companies, his uh, longstanding support of asset forfeiture and how he can use that to further uh, racial profiling and cooperation with other department goals, and his, uh, as some other, uh, other people have talked about, his skepticism of civil rights groups and what that means for organizations like Black Lives Matter as protests probably will uh, continue next summer. Um, there is a particular issue with uh, the amended rule uh, of Rule 41 that's coming up. Uh, if Congress does not act, we stop the Hacking Act uh, by December 1st, uh, uh, the federal judiciary will be able to issue warrants that can hack thousands of computers at the same time if they are just connected to a botnet or some sort of um, virus. And uh, short of that, that being used by a Department of Justice under uh, Senator Sessions would could create massive, massive privacy concerns. Uh, as also mentioned, uh, Senator Sessions' uh, opposition full-throated support of the drug war with the ongoing so-called op opioid epidemic, and the use of criminal law, and the the uh, sort of knee-jerk. A desire to use the criminal enforcement mechanisms to stop that is very disconcerting, as well as uh, uh, using the Department of Justice to enforce federal marijuana laws where uh, they had stood down under the Obama administration. And this brings up another point, too, where uh, not only do marijuana businesses face problems with this, people who do business with marijuana businesses, legal marijuana businesses face problems because Congress hasn't taken the step to clarify what um, what is legal and not legal to you, uh, particularly with banking is concerned and these you know quasi legal uh, organizations, and we're afraid that that could be that could bleed over into again perfectly innocent people. Uh, and, and businesses conducting legal work under state law and using the power of the federal government to, to squash that. And then uh, finally, his uh, opposition to so-called sanctuary cities, uh, trying to compel local law enforcement to uh, enforce federal immigration law, uh, which is the, the federal government is not empowered to do technically. Um, and it brings in se severe federalism questions about the DJ can try to commandeer local law enforcement. Uh, the Trump administration, excuse me, the Trump uh, camp has talked about um, defunding uh, the sanctuary cities, pulling all federal funding from, from these cities. 
uh, an attorney general session couldn't uh, necessarily do all of that for all federal funding. I mean, obviously that's going to be something for, for Congress to handle. But within uh, his power as attorney general, uh, through the Office of uh, Justice Programs, he could defund uh, severe uh, uh, grants to police agencies that do, want, do not cooperate. Um, the use of asset forfeiture, as we said, the equitable sharing program sends 80% of seized funds um, back to the local law enforcement, which if you have this, or if you have police that are incentivized both to um, to uh, enact federal immigration law and who are trying to get uh, to seize cash for their own uh, use and uh, under civil asset forfeiture, it just creates an enormous uh, amount of uh, civil rights problems and turns due process on its head. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, finally, uh, we have uh, Reverend Dr. Susan Smith, communication consultant at Samuel DeWitt Proctor Conference. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, the Senate DeWitt Proctor Conference is, is very much concerned with the, you know, the perpetuation of justice in this country for people of color, certainly for everyone, but for people of color. And uh, we are very bothered by this um, pending um, uh, appointment of Mrs. Sessions as Attorney General of the United States of America. This country does not have a record of being just to people of color, to women, to people of different religions. That is just not our history, and it feels like um, the nomination of Mr. Sessions represents a backstroke, a going back into a place where we have fought so hard to come from. Um, about a month ago, the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Conference took part in a in an event in Abbeville, South Carolina, where um, we dedicated um, a, a, to the memory of, a, of an African-American man, Anthony Crawford, who was lynched by a mob in South Carolina in 1916. Um, he was hung, but, um, and after, but before he was hung, his body was drugged through the streets, and then once, once he was hung, he was shot over 200 times. His lynching, the, the, the circumstances of his lynching, was, was not uncommon in history. That has happened over and over, over again. And the Justice Department of this nation have not ever really uh, given justice to those families, and it, has, it continued to happen for a very long time. His family, Mr. Crawford's family, wasn't allowed to reclaim his body for several days, and after 22 failed attempts, after uh, over multiple decades, you know, there was no, there was, there was no justice. So it was in the case of Anthony Crawford that he was, it was brought before the Senate five years ago, and and, and in his case, it finally resulted in this United States. Apology for lynching, and eight senators voted against the apology, and Jeff Sessions was one of them. Um, his record when it comes to civil rights, when it comes to education, for people or for children who are poor is deplorable. Um, in Alabama, in 30 of Alabama's poorest school districts, um, um, he has not been um, in favor of getting them more funding. Um, he has warned that, um, along with other advocates who are with his ilk, that if you have more money to go into these poor districts, that it would be uh, bring socialism to, to Alabama. Um, he has um, led the battle against 
uh, the decision to, to stop this inequitable funding, which has been found by the United States Supreme Court to be inequitable, but he unconstitutional, but he has fought against it. Um, he was applauded by his fellow Republicans for all of this work in terms of pushing for a, an, an agenda, which is not just to people of color and poor people. He's just not. In 1997, Alabama Supreme Court upheld a federal judge's um, a, a ruling that the state's educational inequity was unconstitutional, but Mr. Sessions, who was by that time a senator, the court left the remedy to the state's increasingly conservative legislatures, and so actually nothing has really changed. Um, the Senator of Proctor Conference is very concerned by the, the prospect of a man like that in the spot of the nation's top cop, so to speak, while we are concerned that, that the gains that people have made um, over the past 50 years will be undone, and we think it is too critical. We are in too critical of a time to let that happen. Mr. Trump has said that he is interested in bringing the country together, but clearly the, nom the nomination of Mr. Sessions with his record indicates that no such unity is desired, nor can it be possible with, with a man like that at the helm. We believe that the voice of God, because we are a Christian organization, but we, you know, we are open to all religions, but the voice of God would act actually say, this is not right. We cannot believe that the God that we serve and the God that we think believes in justice would even be um, uh, uh, pleased with what Mr. Sessions' nomination means. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I want to again thank all the, uh, all the speakers. I'm even more disturbed about Jeff Sessions than I was when I started the call. Uh, at this point, we're going to open it up uh, to questions. Thank you. At this time, we will open the floor for questions. If you would like to ask a question, please press the star key, followed by the one key on your touch phone now. Questions will be taken in the order in which they are received. If at any time you would like to remove yourself... We'll listen to a couple questions and then we'll move on. Uh, you've been listening to the drugpolicy.org live teleconference, uh, although it's not live. Uh, Thank you. Our first question comes from Tim Dickinson with Rolling Stone magazine. Hi, guys. Thanks for this call very much. I have sort of a two-part question. Um, one, I think it's interesting that you guys are all on this call together, and I wonder if you can speak a bit to the way in which uh, this represents a locking of arms, or is that part of the strategy going forward? Um, and in the sort of not unlikely scenario that Sessions is confirmed and, and many of these uh, terrible policies come to pass, uh, what is your strategy moving forward? How do you, how do you continue to make progress on the issues that you care about um, uh, in the face of uh, this sort of very dark climate that you just described? Does anyone... Want to answer that? Well, I, I can. This is Todd Cox from the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. I can uh, take a stand yeah. first. I think that um, the breadth and the diversity of this coalition represents um, the breadth and diversity of opposition that uh, you know Jeff Sessions has within the human rights and civil rights and social justice world. Uh, it's no coincidence that you have all of us on the phone um, in, in, uh, in agreement that this is a real threat to our uh, civil rights, our human rights, and the rule of law. Uh, and I think this kind of coalition, this kind of coalescing has always existed. 
But certainly going forward, I think you will see uh, this constantly happening that um, groups of like minds who uh, care a lot about civil rights and human rights will um, um, stand up in opposition to any policy that threatens the rule of law in this country. Uh, as to your second point regarding um, uh, a way forward, I think the way forward, uh, given the context within which this um, the nomination has occurred, which I outlined before, is that we will um, um, uh, seek opportunities to uh, stop uh, discriminatory laws, discriminatory activity, uh, whether those be executive actions or administration, administrative actions, uh, that come as a result of uh, any nomination uh, uh, that's put forward by uh, this, administ this administration to come. Uh, and you will see um, a, a diverse and, 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 and broad uh, set of actors uh, taking action to, to uh, oppose uh, discriminatory activities. Uh, this is Robert McCulloch here. I could also add that um, no one minority community or group has ever had the power to effectively fight for and secure its rights and liberties uh, alone when challenging the corrosive forces of institutional race, uh, institutional or racial or religious bias. And what, in, as it was reflected by uh, the speaker from the NAACP, uh, in the lead up to President-elect Trump's January inauguration, I think a number of organizations that haven't necessarily worked with each other are going to find the opportunity to uh, collectively take pause and determine how we can better support each other's communities and rights. And I think moving forward, you're going to see a lot more coalition efforts like this. Coalition efforts coming. Scary Jeff Sessions. Scary. Scary. Thanks to the Drug Policy Alliance for putting amazing things together and trying to fight the man. Uh, it, one of the most amazing things that they uh, spearheaded was the Kratom ban that the DEA did and they uh, opened it up for questioning. It's still open for public comment until December 16th. And that's the first time the DEA has ever gone back on one of their immediate schedule one emergency blah, blah, blahs. So, oh, you know, maybe it's not so bad. I don't know, I'm scared. Okay, everybody. Hey, well that ends our Drug Policy Alliance Minute. And we are gonna get into an exciting new, uh, what's it called, segment, uh, where uh, we're looking at all the videos from uh, people who are, are applying for this year's 2017 Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, March 1st through 5th, next year. Uh, but these are their videos that people are sending in, and we're gonna watch them live and comment on them for the next couple weeks. And this first one is from Martin Landals. And he is from, I don't know where he's from. We'll look into it in a second, but this is Martin Landals Stand Up. Hi. So, uh, white people were in the news again. Turns out, and I didn't notice, but apparently some of us are a little bit racist. Yeah, I know. Shocking. And now I have to talk about it. I know what you're thinking. 
white person in Portland talking about race. This is not going to end well. <laughs> and I'm, I'll be honest, it might not. Because, I mean, first of all, I am probably a little overqualified to talk about white people. I mean, I'm white, obviously, but I'm also Swedish, which is like another level of whiteness. <laughs> people ask me that all the time, like, how white are you, you people? And I guess the answer is a lot. And it's hard to explain the whiteness. Uh, I mean, imagine a polar bear making love to, uh, well, another polar bear. Uh, but then as he's finishing, a little bit of his substance dribbles onto the snow and, uh, and compared to the snow it has like a yellow tint to it and I don't know if this particular polar bear had made love for a while or something he ate or it, it doesn't really matter um, the point is that Swedish people are like the snow and uh, compared to us most other white people are yellow tinted polar bear come I kill people. <laughs> it made me a little nervous. 
if it was laundry day or what was going on, but I think if you sell a gun to someone, someone like that, it's kind of like walking up to a prostitute who's wearing a shirt that says, unprotected sex doesn't give you gonorrhea. I mean, whatever happens after that, it's gonna be part of your fault. Guns don't kill people, people kill people. It's so good. I mean, it's really good. I mean, if I was the kind of person who didn't do much research, or like, any research at all, I couldn't get behind that slogan. That's how good it is. And I feel we need a, a slogan in the other camp, you know? Something that's not so depressing, like, you know, numbers or reality. writing stuff down that I think is good, and uh, I don't know if it's as good as that one, but here goes. Um, people without guns don't kill people. <laughs> and that's really it. That's all I have. Thank you guys, you've been great. Martin Lendl's. Moving on. Absolutely going on into the next folder a folder that moves you on and what do we have next we have clara bijou she is there funnyfrench.com stand up and this is from the punchline on may 19th so it was relatively recent here we go you guys are listening to the Altacast here yeah, on Mutiny Radio. I actually Radio. bumped into my neighbor uh, on my way here, and he was like, he was like, oh my God, Claire, I'm so excited. Uh, I went to the bar tonight, and I got like eight, nine numbers. And I was like, wow, that's great, man. A couple more, and you have a whole phone number. I'm going to get late. So I'll tell you a little bit about myself, and then I'll tell you a little bit more. That's what's going to happen. Uh, I, uh, I'm French. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I like your reaction of nothing. Uh, so I am French, which is fine. Uh, I mean, usually when I tell people I'm French, they go, oh, so you're from Canada? I'm like, no, you douche. Um, if I was from Canada, I would just say I'm Canadian. And then they go, oh, yeah, you must be French, because you're rude. You see how you can't win uh, when you're French. Uh, but it's fine. For some reason, like, if American people go to France and have a bad experience, uh, it's my fault. You know? Like, people come up to me and say, hey, Clara, uh, I was in Paris once and somebody was rude to me. It's like, oh my god, who was it? <laughs> like, it was a guy, I'm like, oh, say no more. Jean Pierre. She's getting good guy. laughs, we but I haven't laughed yet. <laughs> we hate him. French people feel really bad about what's happened in recent years, and, and you can tell because when they come to America now, they have to pretend to be from somewhere else. They're like, no, 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 uh, no, no, uh, we are not from France. Uh, we are from Connecticut. <laughs> I'm going to fast forward a little bit because I'm not, I'm going to get to the middle of her set and see what happens. We're going to move it to seven minutes. She has a 16 like, minute set at the punchline. So. Uh, <laughs> clearly you got that life shit figured out. Uh, if your boy has a small penis, be like, oh my God, I'm going to have to teach him values. Your 
we're going to have to learn to say please and thank you. Uh, well, I don't make the rules. <laughs> Too soon? I educate my daughter. I was talking to her recently. I, uh, I told her that my mother went to an all-girls school. And she was like, why? And I was like, well, because grandma grew up in a time when little boys were not allowed to go to school. Uh, I'm going to move to her oh, other, this, this other brain. Yeah, I'm pregnant now. Try this one. Okay, easy, guys. Easy. Don't fucking judge me. Uh, I can see some of you are gonna be pregnant if you keep this up uh, very soon. So you know what? Yeah, keep it up. I'll see you at the playground in a year or so. Uh, That'll be fun. So yeah, thank you. Uh, Usually, when I tell people that I'm pregnant, they say congratulations, but not you, fuckers. Uh, That's fine. Uh, You guys are like, no, we're not going to applaud as we do not support that behavior of uh, baby making. That shit is disgusting. Uh, Anyways, yes. Uh, I am pregnant. Thank you. Uh, It's fine. Uh, Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. Like I was waiting for it, but a little bit. People tell you weird things when you're pregnant because clearly you're dumb. Uh, so this woman, this, was, this woman said to me, actually it wasn't uh, this woman, it was uh, my sister-in-law, uh, but uh, whatever. This is what she said to me, she's like, oh my God, you look so big. Oh my God, you look so big. I just can't believe it. When I was pregnant, you know, people couldn't tell I was pregnant for like the first six or seven months of my pregnancy. And I was like, yeah, because you've been looking pregnant for years. <laughs> Yeah, for years we're like, when is the baby coming out? When the baby came out, we're like, well, so how old is it? Like five or six years old? I'm doing prenatal yoga now. You guys done that? Prenatal yoga is nice. It's like, uh... Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to... I'm not going to make a decision on that one. I'm just going to leave it in there and see what happens with some more people. Uh, All right. First guy, though, made me laugh a bunch, right? Yeah. Okay, this is our next next, uh, video. It's by Marcy Rogo. She is a local comedian, and this is her at the Purple Onion. Where is the sound? Oh, there it is. Turn it up. Um, yeah, I don't look like comedian because I'm not like a skinny, perhaps balding, white or Indian autistic male. <laughs> but I do have funny things to say. I have funny things to say because my life is an ongoing series of jokes. Um, She's having trouble with the microphone so technique. Jewish. She needs her microphone you know, closer to her. Lots of funny things there, which we'll talk about at some point. Um, I also am a female in tech. A lot of people think that's a joke in this town. Um, <laughs> And um, I don't know what else. She's but, really green. Um, oh, I know. I work with seniors, um, seasoned citizens, if you will, of the world. Um, but I love that. But I'm not going to joke about them tonight because they're not. We're not going to make fun of them. But what we are going to do is um, we're not going to talk about dicks tonight. Um, and I'm really sorry because I know people really like my dick pic jokes. Um, but my aunt and uncle are here with their friends from Bill, right? <laughs> And because of that, this is going to be um, a little bit of a less crazy set. Um, 
Don't worry, I'll be getting into details about my vagina later. Um, so, I just turned 31 on Sunday. Thanks, thanks. Um, as amazing as turning 31 is, um, it actually ruins my comedy because um, it actually makes the jokes not as funny. Uh, for instance, um, now that I'm 31, I don't get blowjobs. <laughs> Doesn't have the same to it as no blowjobs because I'm 30. Um, <laughs> No, I was thinking about the dick thing I was. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, you guys are tough crowds tonight, by the way. You came 14 had a really tough time, and now I'm like a little nervous, even though you're all my friends. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, that was bad news, but my aunt did ask that I do a little set about my uncle. My uncle John in the back, he definitely stands out. Um, I don't really know how to make a joke about my uncle John because he's not very funny. Um, he's like pretty standard, normal, not a pedophile, no Asperger's, like he has like excellent retirement benefits. Um, yeah. There's not really much to joke about, but um, you know, um, they do call him Big John um, because he married into my family of tanned midgets. Sorry, <laughs> in the back. Um, like, you know, like big toilet, but don't call him that. Don't call him BJ. <laughs> Stop that. I tried it. Um, cool. So, I've been wanting to ask a lot of people, I figured I'd take a first time today, what's going on with this um, Pokemon Go thing? Uh, where are the Pokemons going? <laughs> I literally have no idea what's going on. Does anybody here yeah, play you, Pokemon yeah, Go? You can get some. You, get some. you play Pokemon Go, means like probably at least five hours. If you play a lot of Pokemon Go, you should get this other app. It's on the app store, it's called Get a Fucking Life App. <laughs> <laughs> try it, try it. Um, no, I don't like this Pokemon Go um, because it's teaching our children to value things based on their color and their size. So <laughs> white men will never get laid again in this country. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't like it. You know, I went on a bumble date with the guy and um, he... Uh okay, she's really green. But she got some laughs. She got some good laughs. And um, decisions will be made. Moving on. This is out of Portland. Alanya Becker. Alanya Becker. Excited to hear everyone out of Portland is killing it all the time. Uh, such funny people. Such an honor that they have decided to apply. Alanya Becker. I feel like we discovered her off the streets. But we didn't. We just saw her do a really cool comedy. And everyone's like, get her on the show! She's amazing. And uh, she just got done doing a like, slew of shows in the Bay Area. So please welcome to the stage, Alanya Becker. Um, I stood in line next to people that I didn't know and I was kind of anxious about it 
And um, for the first time since moving here, I felt like truly seen and loved. And like, so you guys make that happen. Thank you for being here. Uh, and now some jokes. Um, so I am new to Portland, um, and it really like bothers me a lot when people say things like, oh, Portland's so weird. Like, Portland's weird in the same way that 13-year-old girls think they're so random. <laughs> but, you know, like, the other day, I did see something that was, like, pretty weird. Um, I was driving up in North Portland, and there was a man on a street corner holding a sign, um, and it just said, hashtag homeless. And, like, as I get closer, I'm just like, what is this asshole thinking? Meditation is a solo practice. I cannot help you out there, sir. And then I got closer and realized his sign just said homeless, and I'm an asshole. <laughs> I, <laughs> I used to work in this neighborhood um, for three days. And I worked at a homeless resource center, and my very first day on the job, a man walks up to the desk and just says, what number am I on the housing list? And I was like, I got this new girl on the job. Give me your ID, type it in. Um, and I was like, you're number 30. His ear was falling off. And I was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Is it bad? Do you think I should go to the hospital? And I was like, you need to van go to the hospital. <laughs> That's funny. No, I didn't actually get fired from that. I just, that job just made me so anxious. I think I was at a time when my anxiety was just like really out of control. Does anybody else here suffer from anxiety? You see, that should make feel better. <laughs> but it just makes me feel less special. That's my thing, you guys. Um, for those of you that don't know, having anxiety is a lot like, um, you know that feeling you're driving along and your gas light turns on and you look down at your phone and it's at zero percent? And it's just like, oh no, but like all the time. Um, the other way think about it is um, it's just like having my middle school gym teacher just constantly like she's my inner monologue her name is Mrs. Rasmussen and she would say shit like all right Becker 30 more um, she was just I don't know what she wanted 30 more of but she was the first lesbian I met um, so good and bad for her um, but if I could have dinner with anybody, living or dead, it would definitely be Mrs. Rasmussen, and she would be dead. <laughs> um, I am wearing a costume right now. I am dressed as Governor Kate Brown, who was the first by governor out by governor in the United States of America, and um, nobody noticed. <laughs> and that, I think, just like perfectly encapsulates
encapsulates like what it's like to be a bi person is that nobody knows what the fuck I'm trying to do. Um, but now that I said that, I can take these off and I can see you. Um, but I did come out a little while ago. I mean, it's been a minute, but actually my best friend growing up uh, came down here from Seattle to be with me tonight. Um, and I came out to her not that long ago, and she was like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. I've always kind of seen you as like a 60-40. I just don't have to listen anymore. She's going in the yes pile. That's great. Alana Becker. All right. Moving along. Now we have um, Nicholas Sepeglia out of the beautiful... Fresno. Oh my gosh, you gotta have a sense of humor if you're from Fresno, right? I mean, right? <laughs> Otherwise, what is what is what is your life about? Oh wait, he started me in a little bit, I see. He just gave a big long thing and okay, here's the guy. Alright, everybody. Out of Fresno. Nicholas Sapeglia. <laughs> Terrible, terrible uh, sound so quality. I have no idea what he's saying. I can't understand him at all. I can still. I can't understand. I can't understand. The people can. They seem to be laughing. Is it the clap and you give it to a bunch of people? Is that considered a round of applause? Uh, uh that's hack. Oh. oh boy, he's getting a clap break for a hacky joke. Okay, he's got another minute. I can't understand him. Too difficult to hear. Sorry, Nicholas Peglia. Oh man, you gotta get a better. Um, you gotta get a better video. Brian O'Hallahan, O'Halloran, out of Santa Rosa. Let's see what you got, buddy. Uh, you guys, too, you can apply right now to the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2017. It's a mere $5 to apply. Next, we have Brian O'Hallahan. Here we go at Hop Monk Open Comedy Open. He's got a lot of great talent coming up, um, as long as he doesn't yell at me. So, <laughs> I want you to give it up big for Mr. Brian O'Hallahan! <laughs> excitement guys i don't even know which like i have written down a lot of really good sentences <laughs> to share that with you i'm very excited okay so 
I'm 19, right? And uh, I'm probably closer to high school than a lot of the people in here. And you know, in high school, there was always like that girl you liked, but you knew she was dating someone who like went to another school or like she was dating like an older guy, right? An older gentleman. And you know, when you're in high school, it's kind of hard to compete with that because you know, oh, I live with my parents, I take the bus. And then here's this guy and he's got like a car and an apartment and a kid and a wife and you just can't compete. <laughs> I'm also, I'm very young and like, I have a friend who has a kid, like a human child. And he's the same age as me and that's like horrifying. Like when I found out, I reacted like he bought a rotary phone. I was like, wow, that's really old fashioned. I can't believe he got one of those. Yeah, my parents had one. They decided it was a bad idea, but it was too late. They already, they, it was past the, uh, the return date. <laughs> All right. I know some friends of mine who are into like erotic photography, they take like artistic nudes, but usually with me it's neurotic photography. <laughs> trying to hide what is this. <laughs> okay, fellas, fellas, do you remember that time when you were having sex and someone like says, hey, it's okay if you call me bitch. Didn't that feel like a test? <laughs> it's okay if you choke me. I was like, are you sure? This sounds like a... I've seen this on SVU. This is intense. Where's the camera? You're not gonna catch me saying something bad about someone else. I was in Ireland recently. I know I'm a jet center. I wear leather jackets. I'm very cool. I'm all around the world. And the um, thing is, before I went to Ireland, because I have family there, everyone was saying like, oh, you're gonna love Ireland. It's so beautiful, it's really beautiful. It's a great countryside, it's gonna look amazing. You're, it's beautiful, right? And I mean, it was. But we're from Sonoma County, you know, we have a lot of natural beauty around us, so I felt let down. I mean, they have a great landscaping budget. It looks very nice, but if, if I was from like an uglier part of America, I feel like I would have been more impressed when I went over, overseas. Oh, wow, mountains, trees. I never would have guessed these things could exist at the same time. <laughs> I was thing in Ireland, um, I was by a castle, because they have those, and I ran into a traveler who was like, uh, the polite Irish way of saying homeless person. And they were talking to my uh, parents, or my dad, and I was like taking part in the conversation. They, the guy was like, you know, what are they gonna do about North Korea? Sorry, Brian. Next we have Tony Lee coming out of Fulton 55. TV, right? And uh, there's a commercial. There's a maybe you know this commercial. It's a very sad commercial, right? It has a dog, a cat, and a Sam McLaughlin song. You know this commercial? It's a in the arm of the eight. That's something like that. I don't know. So they say they have dog and cat that nobody wants, you know? So I feel really bad. So I send money, you know? And I wait a couple weeks, and then uh, they send me a picture of a dog. And I think, uh, oh, that's a very nice dog. But I can't eat a picture. All right. This 
so it's like that. I just, I just want to make sure. I'm just checking what kind of night it is, folks. That's my profiling joke. Uh, I like to tell it to figure out where the racists in the crowd are, you know? And, um, yeah, you guys are right in this general, this general area right here, like, this dude was already planning a hate crime, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm sitting here, he's checking his watch, throwing beers back, like, how long do I have to listen to fucking Charlie talk, man? Like, who the hell let Mr. Chow in here? What is fucking going on, you know? That's how, that's how I was playing, man, it's alright. It's alright. But did you die? Yeah, right? Did you die? You never do coke before? What's wrong with you, right? So, that's a messed up stereotype, by the way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Like, the whole dog and cat thing, that's a messed up stereotype. It doesn't even make sense. Like, I've never eaten a dog or a cat. Um, I know no Asians that have. And the only reason I can figure out that that stereotype is still around is because it's damn funny. You know what I mean? Like, that's the only reason. Like, the other ones kind of make sense. Like, I'm really good at math. Like, I'm damn good at math. I hate it, but I'm still really good at it. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know? Even the driving one, right? Right. I'm an excellent driver, right? I use my signal, I do the speed limit or better. Um, if I'm going slower, I'll get out of your damn way. Like, I'm a good Asian driver, but, but, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest, like when I run into a dummy driver, like I will start praying, I will, right? I'll be like, please don't be Asian. Please don't be Asian. Please don't be shit, right? Yeah, every damn time, every damn time. And half the time I'm related to him too, and I'm like, man, I'll you out later. It's messed up, so I get that stereotype, but the, the dog and cow one, I don't get it. But um, it's so funny, I mean, I have to take advantage, you know what I mean? So like, you know the Grizzlies, I went to the Grizzlies game a couple weeks ago and they have taco trucks out there, right? And I love tacos. But they also had an SPCA trailer out that night. <laughs> and I'm a comic, so I'm like, this is gold. You know, like, first, this is a very confusing message for my people. Like, why right next to the taco trucks? You know, and I got my kid out there too, and my kid looks at me, he's like, Dad, can we go look at the puppies? And I'm like, you're damn right we're gonna look at these puppies. You are damn right. So we went over there, walked right up to the SPCA lady, she's real happy. Oh, hi, how are you guys doing today? You have any questions? Oh yeah, I have one question. Uh, do you have a kid's meal? <laughs> true story, because I'm that kind of asshole. Like, that's, that's a true story. And, and the best part of that is the SPCA lady laughs. <laughs> Right? You know how dumb that stereotype is? Are there any sushi fans out here? Anybody like sushi? Yeah, clap it up. Right? Yeah, you guys love sushi, right? Oh, so you can eat my pet, but I can't eat yours? I got a koi pond at home. You don't know if I got a tuna in there. That's messed up. That's a double standard and a half. That's all I'm saying. So, uh... <laughs> for those of you that are might be wondering, uh, what kind of Asian are you? Um, I'm Vietnamese. We won our war. I just want to be absolutely oh, right. It's been a while. Relax. Eighteen one and one, motherfuckers. That other one is Korea. Because if you split a country, that's a tie. You cannot claim that as a win. I'm not letting you do that. So, I dress this way on purpose. Uh, I had to wear glasses when I was like 10, so I just figured I'd take the nerdiness and run with it, you know what I mean? There's some obvious advantages to being like this, you know? Um, number one, I smoke a lot of weed, and nobody knows. 
people don't believe me. That is amazing, right? It's a great thing. I have instant credibility with math and science. I can start going just a little bit fast at you and you're going to believe me. He's going in the yes pile. We don't have to listen anymore. All right, Tony Lee, funny guy. Good stuff. Moving on to another out-of-towner, Jake Breslauer. Jake Breslauer out of Portland, Oregon. Here we go. I think he made a montage, though, which is what I asked them not to do. Let's see what he did. It says stand-up real convention. Jake Breslauer. Kaboom. Oh, all right, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little story tonight. If that's okay with you? Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys a story about why I fucking hate California. Oh! I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> like it. It smells like poop everywhere <laughs> in this fucking city. Anywhere I go, I'll just go around the corner and be like, it smells like diarrhea. And I go around and there's diarrhea. And I fucking hate it, you guys. Oh. Anyways, that I'm not going to talk about poop the whole time. Um... <laughs> I'm going to tell you three different experiences why I hate California. The first one is a job situation. The first job that I had uh, coming out to California was working as a janitor in a children's dance academy oh. in Fresno, fucking California. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, people like to say that Fresno is where dreams go to die. And I think that's too kind. Um, I, I feel like... Fresno is where dreams go to do meth. Get in a shootout with the cops, survive the shootout, then later die of gangrene in a prison. That's what dreams do in Fresno, fucking California. Woo! Oh, comparable to that though in the shitty job scale was when I worked as a barista on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh. Uh, it, <laughs> I, I like I this guy, but he hasn't really made me laugh hard yet. I like his demeanor. Coffee. Uh, for example, this guy just came in one morning. He didn't say, hello. He didn't say, how are you? You know, how you doing? No, he just came straight up the counter and goes, all right, dude. Here's the deal. I don't want a mocha, all right? What I want is a hot chocolate, but with espresso. <laughs> Now, for those of you who don't know, um, a hot chocolate is chocolate with hot milk. A mocha is chocolate with hot milk, and you guessed it, motherfucking espresso. So the customer was fucking wrong. Um, I tried to be civil at first, and I said, actually, sir, what you do want is a mocha. To which he replies, no, 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 I don't like mochas, okay? I just want a hot chocolate, but with espresso. My manager comes over and goes, dude, maybe, maybe let's just let this one go. And I said, nope, I'm going to take this way too far. And the guy's like, dude, he goes, I don't get the deal, right, man? I just want a hot chocolate with espresso. And I said, well, I want you to die. <laughs> so we're not all going to get what we want today, sir. And I'm sorry, it, it wasn't, I, I didn't want this guy to die. Um, it's just that I wanted him to be murdered in the worst way possible. Because my hope is that when this guy dies and he gets up to heaven, the one question that he has to answer to get in the pearly gates is what is the difference between a hot chocolate and a fucking mocha? So when they sell his ass down to hell, his personal eternal hell is gonna be an endless Starbucks trading course because he wanted a fucking mocha! Oh! I have not had sex in a long time. <laughs> 
Which brings me to point number two about why I fucking hate California is the dating scene. Um, I've had absolutely zero luck in that department. Um, and it's just, you know, like you keep going on dates, you know, you go on Tinder, okay, keep it, all that shit. And it's always the same script that I'm running through in my head, you know, it's hello, how are you? Um, what do you do for a job? What kind of music do you like? I don't know what acting class you go to. And it's just, and in the back of my head, I'm just screaming at myself, I don't care! I don't fucking care! And it's just because we're on this earth for short of, such a short amount of time and we're just talking about nonsensical bullshit that I know she doesn't care about either. And I'm like, let's just cut through the bullshit. Let's talk about all the things that we don't like about each other or that, that, that are awful. And I just want to come up and be like, hi, my name is Jake. I cry in the shower occasionally. Um, my mom told me I call her. I, I don't know about him. I haven't decided yet. We're gonna see. I'm leaving him in the I'm leaving him in the other pile. Moving on, here we go. This is Timmy Booth. Timmy Booth, here we go. Timmy B, Timmy Booth. You guys are still listening to the AltaCast going through the submissions. For the Mutiny Radio Comedy Please Festival. make some noise for the very funny Timmy Booth. Uh, that's Billy Anderson. I know that guy. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, my name is Timmy Booth. My family hasn't been trusted on a balcony since the Civil War era. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Good opener. Football season's back. And I love it. I love football. I know you might not think that. And I didn't love football for like, till like four years ago. But I wish there had been an outreach program. <laughs> like an awkward kid football league. <laughs> like just get 22 little versions of me out in the field, see what happens. <laughs> if they make eye contact, that's a tackle. <laughs> Put two girls their age, opposite ends of the field. If they talk to one, that's a touchdown. <laughs> and it's an extra point if they don't mention Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> just trying to make football safer. Uh, might just be a minute for me, guys. I am still waiting on my second puberty. <laughs> the first one did not take. I just turned 27. And now I look like a 26-year-old who looks 12. <laughs> who looks vulnerable. People come up to me and try to bum a cigarette, and I take it as a compliment. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh, you think I'm older than nine years younger than I am. <laughs> have a pack of cigarettes. I don't even smoke, I just carry a pack of cigarettes with me. Just to give away as prizes. You did it. Uh, my friend is 27, he is a father. Could you imagine me with a baby? No. People would look at that baby, he's cute, huh? And then look at me, is that baby your dad? 
I've actually only been into weed stores twice, so this is gonna be fun uh, tonight. But uh, the first time I went in, a lady looked at my ID and was like, hey, you look young. People must give you a hard time. Yeah, they do give me a hard time. Normally when I'm buying booze, it's a more direct hard time. Not this weird indica of a hard time you're giving me right now. Like I wasn't sure you were giving me a hard time and now I'm having way too much of a hard time. But yeah, people have baby on board signs on their car. I could never take on that responsibility. We've, uh, he's already in the yes pile. Just, we'll just, we'll just move on since we have so many things to go through. He's really funny. He had lots and lots of really good jokes right in a row. Boom, boom, boom. I could hear him. And I like Billy Anderson, which means that I trust the guy. Uh, this I is don't know. Mark Seltzer. I don't know what to say. So, uh, you know, I know that Hulk Hogan is already out of the news cycle, but you know, I was just thinking about him today, and everyone hates him now, but you know, I always hated that fucking guy, man. I always did. It's nothing new to me, you know? I hated his whole, just steroid and Viagra-encrusted self running around being an asshole. I just hated that guy. And his bald head. He has long hair and he's bald. Why do you do that? If you're bald, don't have long hair anymore. I call that the the, the sound man, the LA sound man haircut. You seen that guy, the guy who used to be a hippie and now he's bald, but he won't let go of his long hair. Have you seen that? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go to his other thing, the Ballad of Stinky Dean. This is something else he does. He says he's a performance artist, so this is his the Ballad of Stinky Dean. Song about a friend of mine who lived down the street, and his name was Stinky Dean. This is the Ballad of Stinky This is interesting. We're going to fast forward to the Hulk Hogan stuff. And I don't know. And I hit you in the face with my breasts. And I'm like, me being a proud American said, yes, you can hit me in the face with your breasts. And she did. as it seemed to give her great pleasure. And no matter how, she was very athletic and strong. And no matter, they were very large. And no matter how hard she hit me, it did not hurt. So people of New York So He sent a video that was Ostensibly Him just riffing So it's hard to see If he would I don't know if he'd be able to do 30 minutes In a, in a festival situation So I'm gonna make choices there Here we go Next 
Next thing, this is Jason Anderson at the Punchline in Sacramento. Very much a lot of shows all over town. He also, fun fact, just got out of rehab. Everybody give it up for Jason Anderson. Thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah. So I just got out of rehab. <laughs> yeah. So you know what that means. <laughs> you better laugh. <laughs> yeah. It was actually pretty good. Uh, I found out my problem really wasn't drinking and stuff. Uh, I, my problem was kind of me. Um, like I used to think I was a sociopath. Uh, but now I don't care. <laughs> so, don't worry, I, I didn't just come here to talk about recovery and stuff. Um, I, I, actually, I actually came here to talk about God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I was kind of like catching up on the world now. I got outside and I was so behind. So like a buddy of mine sat me down and like started showing me all these videos about what had been happening. Um, they showed me some good ones, like this soccer player, Ashley Young, uh, he was in this match and his mouth was open and a bird pooped in his mouth. Yeah, just disgusting. You know, finding out you have a friend who likes soccer. Yeah, I was hanging out with my nephew and because uh, I, I didn't know what was happening in the world, he was like, hey, you're so out of touch, uncle. Um, and I tried to not let it bother me, but I'm kind of dealing with anger issues. So like I got out my Blackberry. <laughs> and then the stylus. And I removed him from my MySpace top six. <laughs> no more farm rail nails for you, buddy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he was doing these things kids do nowadays. They sex with abacuses. You know about that? Like, they take little like uh, the emoji thingies. That's what they're called. Yeah, emojis. Yeah. yeah. Like sexting, and you know, I tried to like, I'm gonna give you a lesson in history, kid. So, and when I was a kid, I had to walk uphill on a TI-82 calculator and type 8008. <laughs> 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 we don't have to listen anymore. He's going in the yes pile. He's easy. All right, Jason Anderson, moving on. Next, we'll see if that. This is Alex Giamapapa. Uh, all right. For Alex G and Papa. That's right, Laugh Shack. That's correct, Portland. I got a call. I got a call from Jimmy Fallon, The Tonight Show. And they said, we got a spot open, but we need you here tonight. And I said, no, Jimmy. There are 25 people in a creepy basement who came to see a fucking show on a stage. It was definitely a porn set in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I took a blacklight to this shit and light up like kryptonite. <laughs> and I'm pregnant. Okay. <laughs> How we doing? How we feeling? Uh, excellent, man. I love this. I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm becoming a man. I just finished college and I'm, I'm becoming an adult. And it's a weird transition. Yeah. Uh, mostly, mostly the phrases that adults use that mean completely different things to me. Like hook up. Yeah, apparently hook up used to mean that you're just gonna meet up with your friends, go out, go do something. And now hook up means that you're gonna have sex. So you can imagine my confusion when my mom was like, hey, your cousin's in town. 
Pretend that a booty call and a butt doll are the same thing. <laughs> They're like synonyms. <laughs> like if someone calls me, like, oh, sorry, butt doll, and I'm like, I'm coming over. <laughs> yeah. So those little miscommunications, man. I don't think we have a problem with this one. We're just going to move him on to the next round. No problem. I mean, I'm going to watch them all again. Don't worry. Just making choices. Just making preliminary choices on the yeses and noes. You know what I mean? Our next comedian is a local, a local comedian, Annette Mullaney. She just got some headshots taken. We all saw that on the internet. Here she is. Oh, at the punchline. Interesting. Hey, guys. How's it going? smoke way too much weed to remember my jokes. Um, so I'm divorced, and uh, thank you. You should cheer for that. Um, and I was pretty precocious in getting married. I got married at 24 legally, 23 Islamically. Um, well, what that means is that when my friends are starting to get married now, I get to be the little black cloud at their weddings. <laughs> the one that reminds them that statistically, your vows are probably a lie. Um, Oh, you think that your love will last? So did I. You think that you're gonna beat the odds? So did I. You think this is the last man you're gonna sleep with? Anyway. Uh, it probably doesn't help that I have to get drunk to get through the ceremonies and that I cackle whenever the priest says forever. But, um... She had notes at the punchline. What the fuck? But you know, the good thing is, when you get divorced, you get like a year or two of a grace period where you can act like a fucking asshole and people just, oh, they forgive you because you're going through such a hard time, right? So I'll go to these ceremonies and I'll be overheard telling a young couple to prenup it up in front of the, in front of the bride's family and people will just go, it's so nice to see her out and about again. <laughs> or I'll hook up with the groom's 20-year-old cousin, but in my defense, an English accent is really easy to mistake for maturity. Um, but people will see that and they'll just go, oh, she's so clearly hurting, poor thing. Or I'll take a shit in a centerpiece and people will just go, so brave. So so brave um but there's actually there's some good things about being married um it's only since becoming single again that i fear parties turning into orgies um, i know this fear sounds a little unorthodox and i'm from the midwest and in the midwest i didn't have to worry about this right like someone brings a seven bean three cheese mayonnaise casserole to the potluck it's not turning into an orgy it's way too heavy of a dish it's, you do not want that in your stomach during a rigorous fuck fest um, but I found in San Francisco that parties can turn right? I was once at a party where people started fucking in the main room in the time it took me to go get a glass of water from the kitchen <laughs> uh, I'm gonna move her along she's a mutiny radio person and 
Now we're going to listen to Zach Wiseman. Let's see what his tape is. Her tape was kind of terrible, too. It was all moving around. And... It's a very funny Mr. Zach Wiseman, everybody. Let him hear it. Hello, my backyard. How are you this evening? Better than most of the times I've seen my backyard. Seem to be doing well. Uh, yeah, I used to be a homeless man. All right, I was homeless like three months ago. Whatever, man. It's cool. I don't care. I, uh, I moved here from Las Vegas. I was out here. Let's talk to some guys like, uh, Zach, you know, it's way chiller in Oakland for homeless people. You should come out to be Oakland homeless. And I'm like, you're an idiot, dude. I didn't become homeless to commute. I'm not gonna fucking roll up my sleeping bag and hop on a train every morning, you idiot. I'm gonna be next to shit I wanna be next to, not Oakland. It's a difference. It's easy being homeless for me because I'm a scumbag. I just fucking, whatever, man. Doesn't bother, I smoke cigarette butts. I pick up off the ground. I don't care, it doesn't bother me. Other people will be disgusted. They'll be like, Zach, uh, there's probably like human urine on that cigarette. And I, I go like, uh, ew, my poison's dirty, ugh. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? I'm lighting toxic chemicals on fire and then inhaling them, you idiot. That'd be like if I was gonna shoot myself, but then I dropped my shotgun in the mud. And I'm like, I'm not putting that in my mouth. <laughs> no siree, I'm gonna live another day. Fucking assholes. I never would kill myself, right? Well, okay, I, but for the sake of this joke, right? I, I won't kill myself, right? But what I will do, what I will do is I'll keep writing the suicide notes and then just like carry them around with me, you know? Like, that way if I die in like some fantastical manner, they'll find a suicide note, it'll blow people, like if I got hit by a meteorite and they find a fucking suicide note, how the fuck did he do that? That's goddamn amazing. Obviously, this wasn't a cry for help gone awry. He was in control of the cosmos. He knew exactly what he was doing. Hmm. They say the formula for comedy is uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy. And uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true, uh, but I do think it'd be an awesome thing to say to a group of kids before you shoot yourself in front of them. Right? <laughs> You know what I, mean? I love Zach. I think he's so funny. Uh, all right, that concludes our. He's gonna go in the temporary yes pile. That concludes our going through the uh, the, the things, the submissions. What did we learn today? Uh, that people are funny and yay, and that if you're gonna make a video, at least make me be able to hear you, please. All right, this has been a lot of fun. This was the AltaCast. Thanks so much to Drug Policy Alliance for putting on that awesome anti-Jeff Sessions uh, attorney general. Uh, this is the opposition to him, and we played that. Thank you, Drug Policy Alliance. Keep putting up the good work. Thanks, everybody who has applied thus far for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2017. It is open and available for you to submit until December 2nd. If you are anywhere in the world, please, if you could be here the 1st through the 5th for 25 shows in five days, I welcome you to give us the $5 submission fee. And uh, that would be exciting. Right. Thank you again so much for joining me. And I'm 
really excited because uh, we've got the next show on Some Call Me Tim. Uh, it's great. Some Call Me Tim. We have Ginger Marie. Sorry, I was reading something. I'm just totally, completely distracted from you people. I apologize so much. But stay tuned for Some Call Me Tim with special guest Ginger Murray, activist, feminist, amazing human being. Uh, excited about that. And we'll be back live here on Mutiny Radio. Thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, next week, uh, hopefully LaToya will be back. That would make me really happy if LaToya came back. It's, it's not as easy to do it alone as you would think it is. It is. It's fine. I definitely put it together, but I miss you, LaToya. All right, she'll be back next week. Mutiny Radio. ...of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for near five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship 
to your 20 Mission High vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find counter-offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Of 
this is dogs. <laughs> Subliminal SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Um, oh, happy hour. What could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience? Puppets, kittens, unicorns, porn maybe? Oh, well, stage time makes them happy, and this super happy comedy open mic is open every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m., but you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at Mutiny Radio FM Index at podcasts.pcrcollective.org. So come